Wanderers show. As season two continues, we're on to episode five, the penultimate episode from which last season I stopped counting. We got to, we got to six last season, didn't we? And then I gave up. Oh, I was impressed with that. Six I, was good, wasn't it, for counting? I know this is now going to annoy you, but can I just go back to the to, to the last item in the news there and say, if if it's a hologram show, is it really a live show? Discuss sure, twenty five months. Yeah, exactly. Yes, discuss. Coming up in the next hour. <laughs> We've, we've got proper Wicked Wanderer stuff. It's 50 seconds into the show and I've already annoyed Colin. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not annoyed. That's good. We have got proper Wicked Wanderer stuff. Uh, we'll be talking about Colin playing golf as well. Um, but most of it will <laughs> Playing's be Playing's a bit strong. Well, OK. Colin's attempt at golf. But most of it will be about Wicked Wanderers, uh, including um, the, the first time that we've said this this season, including the defeats yes. uh, to Sunderland uh, and Aston Villa. Both games which you were at. I was, yes. I, I was there. Uh, I will tell you news of my, my trip up to Sunderland. Uh, and I encountered another former chairboy as well whilst I was up there. Oh, interesting. Uh, also, we'll be re- reflecting on a couple of departures which happened uh, one or well, either side i guess of the uh, the transfer deadline day well one on it and one the night before uh, so that's to come we've got some uh, fixture uh, confirmation news we have got, yes got some, um, it's the international break we've got some international no, we've got some international news uh we've got got uh, a player being banned news for, <laughs> for, for getting into a confrontation with a former chairboy um, and, and we're also speaking to a, a legendary former chairboy as well. Yes, very much looking forward to uh, having Sean Devine on the show, which will be excellent. Uh, he, in uh, the 99-2000 season, set a club record for the number of goals scored in a season. Which is, uh, and also he was our leading goal scorer of all time. Yes. But that, that record has now gone, hasn't it? Yes, it's yeah. been eclipsed. Is that the right expression? I think so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so first, let's chat about your, your trip to uh, the northeast. Indeed. So uh, we face Sunderland, um, which is still, you know, and I know we've now been there a, a, a few times, but it's very impressive. You do go along thinking it is, you know, Premier League, in the, the, they are Premier League in all but uh, sort of like club status. Um, and I think the surprising thing was that actually, for the first 10 minutes, given the results, we were fantastic. We were really good. Sunderland barely got the ball in our half. And you were sitting there thinking, goodness me, we're, we're, we're much better, actually, than I thought possibly we were. You know, if we're, if we're causing Sunderland this much of a problem, and then, um, and it, he hardly makes any mistakes, let, let's be honest, but um, the ball went back to David Stockdale, which I think was probably his first touch of the game. Um, and it, it was a fairly poor clearance straight back to a Sunderland player um, who put it out on the wing. The ball then came back across. They headed it, uh, and it went past Stockdale, and it was 1-0. And you were thinking, oh, that's so frustrating, so annoying, because we'd started so well, and you know, and really, actually, in the opening 10 minutes, probably deserved at least a goal. And so the fact that suddenly we were 1-0 down. And then three minutes later... Sunderland go and score a worldly goal, which you know, which no goalkeeper is really going to stop, and we're two 0 down. And you're then thinking, oh, this is going to be a long afternoon. And unfortunately, that is then the way that it went. And how did it feel? Obviously, suffering a defeat for the first time. Did it, did it feel kind of really kind of like, oh, this is a defeat, or did you did it feel oh, this is against Sunderland, so they're going to be one of the challenges this season? Yeah, I mean, slightly that, I suppose. And you know, it's uh, the the fact that we did get a goal, um, albeit a, a, a deflection right at the end. You know, yes, the, the, that was quite nice, but it, it was just slightly frustrating because of actually how well we'd played in that first 10 minutes you did think well probably had we snuck the first goal I think it probably would have been very different because obviously then we probably would have been hanging on we 
would have done all of the Wickham things that everybody knows that we do and frustrated Sunderland a lot and you know possibly we could have snuck the three points um, but yeah as, as soon as it was 2-0 you were thinking well yeah we're, we're going to struggle here um, and then also obviously we, we had the interesting situation um, of Anis Mometi um, getting into a, a, a bit of a tangle with Luke 09 um, which was a slight surprise because you know Luke 09 uh, always comes across and I, I'm quite sure is you know he comes across being one of the nicest people in football he's always got a smile on his face um, and so if you were to say to me that actually you know um, a- anyone was going to have a fight with anyone else I wouldn't have picked Luke 09 in, in that sort of like that matchup but yes Anis decided to um, uh, I don't know exchange a blow with Luke 09 during uh, I think it was after about half an hour uh, which surprisingly nobody really noticed um, on the match officials um, but of course unfortunately the TV cameras were there um, and yes it was picked up then uh, particularly thanks to Colin Murray on his quest show um, you know they, they showed it in slow motion and in various different angles uh, just trying to work out exactly what had happened uh, and so today we've now had the confirmation that yes Anis Mometi will miss three games uh, including the Carabao uh, Cup tie away at Manchester City um, as well as uh, the games uh, against Oxford uh, and also Charlton So did you get a sense from watching Sunderland that they would be one of the teams uh, that, that would be challenging quite near the top? Uh, yes I, I, the, I think probably they are going to I, you know, they're, they're always going to be one of the teams that probably will be in or about the the automatic promotion places uh so yes i i think probably this might be the season that they managed to do it well on, on you know on on the performance of the the 80 minutes you know after they managed to get into the game uh they did look quite good oh interesting yeah Sorry to you know <laughs> that's one well, no, it's, it's one of the promotion places possibly I'm saying you to know, be expected right, though right, I think well and that's the thing it's goodness me you know and and no disrespect to these other teams but they're they're so much bigger than the Portsmouths and the Charltons and the Ipswiches they just are they're going to get out of this division one season you know they they the fact that they haven't is is really quite incredible um, and so yeah I do think maybe it might be this season and uh, let's get the thoughts of manager Gareth Ainsworth who spoke to the media after the game. I couldn't believe we were coming at 2-0 down if I'm honest you know, I thought we probably just edged it in the first half but do you know what this game is about both boxes and we had a lot of chances today and we didn't hit the target you know even our goal you know is a deflected one you know but um, they took their chances really well I think first half they only had two shots at our goal and scored two goals you know so but you know we uh we're happy we keep playing like that we'll be fine but um, they were ruthless with their, their opportunities today and took them on and that's the game really we'll play like that and beat teams we'll, we've played worse than that and won just probably uh, the fifth game you know we've had a, a lot of games as well so maybe we're not a steam on the big pitch at the end there but um, not proud of the boys as always yeah really really looking forward to the next game now see what we can do against uh, Oxford or Ipswich or we'll see uh, see which that's the international break so we'll see how that one is but um, we've got Oxford after that which is, again is a huge game so yeah we've got two big games coming up as I say I think first half uh, I was angry because we were turning down but I also was giving the boys credit because of the way they played I thought they, we, we, we really dominated possession dominated chances but they put theirs in and that was, uh, that was the story of the first half second half a lot more even you know I'm not going to say we were at all dominant um, but again the the, uh, the shots were coming from both sides they took one of those we didn't we didn't you know and, uh, and that's really the story what did you make something you faced a few like, yeah like them think they're a good side yeah I think Lee's done a good job recruitment wise because um, it was tough 
I thought um, last season they were in a transition really they had some big big players who had to leave the club when they came down from the championship first time they hung around for a couple of years and I think you know you're seeing now no disrespect but um, the team he's had to build in League One for Sunderland and that's not easy to do you know it isn't it's not easy at all finance dictates and, and money and everyone wants to play in the championship so um, I think some of the players he's brought in as well as some of your um, your stalwarts the McGeady's a match winner you know um, I like the boy Stuart I think he's an excellent player up front I think he's a big prospect for you um, so I think Lee's done it really well because he hasn't got the superstars of old so yeah they'll be up in there around the top without a doubt and I mean obviously you know disappointed the result today but this first block of the season ah, you're a club fabulous, that came yeah. down from the championship which there's all you know it's all, there's always issues whenever any team yeah. gets relegated you would you would have taken this first block wouldn't you absolutely you know you look at your Yeovils and your, and your, and your Stockports and teams like that who uh, who went and went and went you know we, we planned not to do that and we're still Wickham Wanderers you know we, we're still this team this, this new team that's developing to be a, a top end league one club you know I'm proud of the fans sticking with us proud of the players always will be but yeah we uh, we are still uh, you know this team that every, yeah, everyone wants to pop out we are in the championship last year so it's a, it's a good scalp of course but we take it as a huge compliment that teams want to do that to us but we'll keep fighting we'll keep scrapping and I'm sure we'll be fine a really good point from the manager there that I guess you know teams will want to have a go at Wickham because they're in the championship last season definitely and that you know that's such a change for us as is the fact that actually we're now seen as a possible promotion candidate which actually we've never ever been before no, certainly not in League One uh, you know it's always been oh well their book is favourites for relegation they're going to struggle um, and obviously in the season where we did manage to, to get up we were still that season very much the book is favourites to go down so this season yeah it is a bit of a, a, a new dawn for Wickham isn't it but that's exactly what the club want and that's exactly what Rob Kuhig wants mm. you know he doesn't want us to be you know plucky little Wickham anymore he wants us to now be well Wickham Wanderers we're a championship club or we, that's where we've got aspirations and we're knocking on the door of the division and it's great to hear Gareth in that interview as well talk about us actually being able to dominate some of the game against a team like Sunderland which again even two seasons ago we wouldn't have imagined that actually we were saying of course so uh, we, we leave the league behind uh, briefly and a much changed side we're actually in the first group game of the Papa John's Trophy and Aston Villa under 21s or possibly under 23s or the academy side depending on who you believe uh, the rules always seem to change with the Papa John's trophy uh, came to Adams Park and a little bit like I've been saying about the Sunderland game for, for probably the first 20 minutes against Aston Villa again you were thinking oh we're going to be alright tonight uh, we were much the better side Aston Villa looked like they were very very tentative didn't really maybe know each other or possibly hadn't played very many games together um, and you know yeah, you were thinking we're going to be alright here um, and yes yeah, so we duly went 1-0 up uh, but then all of a sudden, uh, a player by the name of uh, Jaden Philogene Bidace um, started... I think that's a name that will become a lot more popular in the future. I think it may well do, because he was absolutely remarkable, the, the number 32 for Aston Villa. He was really unplayable. Uh, and just he, he was somebody who came across as if you were playing, say, a FIFA game or something like that, that, you know, that you'd selected him to be the, the international and you were playing everybody else as sort of like amateurs. He was just amazing. The, the, the ball seemed to be glued to his feet and we had a lot of trouble uh, playing uh, and, and defending against him. And sure enough, yes, he was the, the, the main man that provided the 
the Aston Villa. And I know Archer as well because I asked you about him because he's he's played in the first team in some yeah, cup games. Yeah. And stuff. He, he, another one who's yeah. who's really highly rated. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they did look once they got going. It took them twenty minutes to warm up, but once they got going, they did look very good. Um, and in that way, that sometimes in the the Papa John's leasing dot com, whatever it's called, checker trade um, competition. You you get very much two sort of types of under twenty one team. I think you get those that do come along, and you do think, oh yeah, okay, you know, they really don't look like they're ready yet, and you beat them. And then other times where you think, goodness me, yeah, in probably six months to a year, we're going to start hearing some of these names on match of the day because they they did look really good. And for Wickham as well, some debutants, some, some new names as well. Yeah, I mean that was really good as well. Actually, we were able to to field some you know some, some new players, some new blood. Um, and they, they, you know, they did okay. They, they, uh, it would have been interesting to see actually them playing against other League One teams um, and how they get on. It would be interesting to see how they they do against MK Dons and Burton Albion, who of course we've now got to play um, because you don't. It's a group stage thing in the Papa Johns. Um, so even though we've lost, we still have a chance of getting through to the last thirty-two. We've just got to make sure that we now beat the MK Dons and you know and and Burton Albion to uh, to get through to the next. It must time. be such a great feeling to score. Your debut as well. We talked about TJ Debar, but also Connor Parsons as well. Yeah, absolutely. His. I mean, that must just be wonderful. Uh, it was a good goal, you know, well deserved. Um, and at that stage, we were thinking, oh, great, yeah, uh, it looks like we're going to win three or four nil here. Uh, alas, it wasn't to be, but brilliant for Connor to score his first goal uh, in the light and dark blue. Uh, more from the manager speaking to Matt post match. Gareth, there might be some disheartened youngsters in there who have ended up on the wrong side of a defeat tonight for the Chairboys, but plenty of learning curves and some positives to take away from the night. Yeah, there's a big sign in the gym that says we don't lose, we, we learn, uh, and as long as they learn from that, and, and you know, I've got a good coaching staff that we can uh, we can go over the game, we can see the mistakes. I think towards the end there was some fitness issues, you know, um, some of the young boys who um, who have only played their first games for us Connor Parsons obviously Chris Farino James Clark never played for Wickham Wanderers before you know and, uh, and Chris and James have been out injured for six months so they're both you know um, first minutes for them Chris was never meant to play 90 but he got through it he was cramping up um, James Clark's come on obviously and, and he'll get up to speed as soon as and, and like you say Connor Malachi you know the, these names that the, the fans haven't seen before scattered with, with the experienced names of Thompson and, and, uh, and McClear you know so and Brandon Hanlon getting minutes I thought was uh, was very lively I was really really impressed with Adam Brisbeck in goal you know I think he's uh, he's got a great chance um, yeah so plenty of learning and that's what it's about you know um, disappointed to lose because obviously you want to win every game but um, you know it was all about rotating making sure that we have a fit side for um, the league games which is our bread and butter but um you know, I always want to win games, but it's probably better than having a 43-year-old manager on the bench that we can have, you know, these uh, these rotations. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll check out all the boys now. Thursday, Friday training, and uh, and the weekend off. A, a rare weekend off, but you know, we're preparing for Oxford next Saturday, and uh, and looking forward to that. It'll be a tasty derby. Nice mention of the 43-year-old man. It really was, yes. And I completely get the sentiment, but I have to say that as one of the, I think, 60 people who went to that game against Northampton uh, <laughs> where, where Gareth came on, that was the highlights, definitely, of the, the whole evening. And another good performance from the uh, another new goalkeeper in the team. Yes, indeed. So, uh, Adam Prisbeck, um, who already played, of course, in the game against Stevenage uh, the previous week, uh, but yeah, you know, again, did did, did well, um, but yeah, was was just beaten by a, a little bit of magic from, from Aston Villa. And again, interesting 
interesting uh, what Matt was saying, first of all, the, the opening question about, mm. you know, that probably there might be a few disheartened young players in there. But, they you know, I, I don't think they should be particularly because actually, yes, the performance, particularly in the opening 20 minutes, was really, really good. Um, but I think Aston Villa's under-21 side, yeah, they are dest- some of those players are destined for, for, for great things probably. Adam spoke to Pat after the game. Had a night of mixed emotions for you. Uh, personally, a great performance and your home debut here at Adams Park, but ultimately the game's ended in defeat. What's your takeaway from that game? Yeah, personally, obviously, it's it's nice to put in a performance, but that's not the important thing tonight. I think to play against a 21 side, you, you almost want to get a good result. I thought we started off really well as well, and I kind of thought I'd have an easy night. And then they kind of just built their way into the game. I think they caused some problems for us that we found hard to deal with. And then ultimately, it ended in a disappointing result. It is a learning curve, isn't it? And so many debutants tonight and you know new personnel play, playing together that haven't played before and in systems maybe they haven't played together before so what, what was the takeaway in the changing room after the game I think again like you said it was good for the boys to get there get or some of you even got debuts and stuff but yeah I think just got to build on, on that now the next game will be in a month's time so I think obviously look to to get take the experiences from tonight and, and put them into practice and in, in the next game obviously your previous game was full of drama as well over at Stevenage what a night that was and you must be so proud so early on in your career to have got a couple of games behind you under your belt now yeah no definitely I think when I came in here I knew what the almost the opportunity was going to be for me I'd be sitting behind Stocko um, and pushing him and learning from him at the same time and I think when I when I do get the opportunity to play it's just taking taking what I can learn from Stocko and what I've learned pre- in the previous in the, in the past putting into practice and, and doing what I can do yeah let's talk about Stocko he's a quiet retiring fellow isn't he uh, nothing too lively about him but what, what a person for you to learn from with his experience and, and Lee Harrison as well but also having a couple of the other younger lads around you as well it must be a great group to be part of yeah no again that was, like I said when I came in uh, that was one of the appealing things for me it was, it's David Stockdale everyone knows who he is and already I've learnt so much from me he's been like a, almost like a father figure for me really looked after me um, but yeah the whole group's good Lee uh, and then Tyler and Kurt as well like training we push each other yeah we keep the standards high so hopefully it's uh, a good union going forward sounds really positive for uh, obviously the future and, and some of these young players yeah, definitely. You know, really, really good. And I think that's probably one of the good things, actually, now about the way that this competition is developing. That actually, well, yes, you get three games. So, and of course, we want to try and win. We want to get to the final of the Checker Trade, whatever it's called. Um, you know, because it's a Wembley final. But it's good that actually you can experiment a little bit. You know that actually it's not going to be on the night. If you lose, you've gone out. So I think that is a really, really good thing. Um, nice to hear, to hear Matt Cecil, by the way. I think he's possibly after one of our jobs because he was emceeing at the game against Aston Villa. Oh, really? Which I don't think I've heard for a while. Oh. Um, so yeah, at half-time particularly, he was introducing the music. So that, that, that was quite exciting. I was, I was interested to see before the game as well, Aston Villa bought two coaches with them which I thought was a bit that was a bit Premier League oh. it was like well you know you, you've only got a squad of uh, you know sort of like 18 do you really need to bring two coaches with you oh good spot I know don't know what that was about you don't mean coaches as in people coaching no I don't mean coaches decent nice luxury coaches oh. parked outside Adam's Park you think two of them really yeah. oh, a bit excessive for coaching exactly yeah Oh, it's interesting. You know, check a trade, <laughs> leasing.com, great Rover Trophy game. You know, I think we probably turn up in a little minibus. Uh, welcome along to the Wickham Wanderer Show. We're chatting to Sean Devine next. Online, on Radio Player, and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Welcome back to the second part of. I nearly said second half. It's not the second half, is it? Well, that's what we call it, isn't it? <laughs> second half. First half, second half, and extra time. Yes, there's it's three parts of the show. Of it. If, it was, 
if it was a TV show and we had adverts in it, that's what it would say when we were coming back after the adverts. So Still to second come. Second half of. In the third half, we'll be uh, looking back at the, the transfer window and the two departures. And also, we've got a sort of an international review, although not like last week when we featured actual Spanish. It's not that sort of review. <laughs> no. No, no, we didn't think of that, did we? No, should have done that. We could have had Annie speaking a bit of Albanian. <laughs> uh, that to look forward to. But first, uh, on our ex player. Uh, interview feature a former striker i'm sure will be very well known to you uh, i'm very pleased to say we're joined uh, by sean devine hello sir hello boys how are we very good great to speak to you sean and, and you uh bob's pleased to chat to you because <laughs> no tell the story tell us okay the story. yes um, so so um, i used to play championship manager um and the first team that i ever played as championship manager i didn't want to go straight away and start playing as wickham so i played as barnet uh, who are a team that i've always been quite keen on and and always followed <laughs> um and and so when i was playing championship manager you were by far and away the leading barnet goal scorer so your name used to come up on the screen a lot so when you then moved to wickham i was very excited about that <laughs> You are yeah, my, I mean, my, my championship manager hero. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, a few years ago that now, but um, <laughs> no, all great, all, <laughs> all great memories. So tell us how you sort of came to be a Wickham player, because initially you, you, you were here on loan. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I come on loan. Um, obviously, started to score goals, started doing well, and then... Um, I think it got a little bit tested at times because the club were trying to buy me, but I think Barnett were digging their heels in a little bit. And I think Eric Hall got involved in the deal at one stage. Um, but lucky enough, they managed to get the deal over the line. And yeah, I think I signed just, you know, about 12 games to go. Um, ended up scoring about eight in 12 and we ended up staying up that season. So it was... Um, you know, really good times, a great achievement and, and something that, you know, I'll always remember. I was going to say, that must have been fantastic to have contributed to, to the club staying up as you did. Yeah, I mean, obviously when I joined, I think we were rock bottom at the time and I think, you know, on some of the, you know, the, the channels that you looked at on the sports channels, I think we was even in red then and there was, you know, sort of no no way we were going to get out of it. But, you know, we managed to all pull together. Um, Laurie... You know, obviously pulled a good set of lads together. Him and Terry come in, sort of galvanised the team. And, you know, it just went from strength to strength. I was going to say, that must have felt like a real uh, team in transition at the time. Oh, massively. I mean, obviously, if you looked at the previous results and where, you know, where the team was sitting, um, for, for us to sort of turn it around in that short period of time, you know, w- was absolutely amazing. And as I say, the, you know, the job that obviously, you know, Laurie and, and, and Terry done was, was you know, amazing. And after your loan spell, you must have been so pleased to have, to have signed permanently, if you like. Oh, yeah, I, I was well pleased because I wasn't even getting a look in at Barney. I mean, I wasn't even getting a game. And I remember um, Terry Gibson come along just to watch a game, obviously, because he was at Barney. And um, I was warming up and he sort of called me over and we started having a chat and... You know, said that Wickham might be interested. They're looking for a goal scorer, and um, yeah, managed to go on loan, and then uh, managed to secure the loan with obviously signing for the club, which you know with, at the time was a great move for me. Um, it was a level up, and now I just you know just really enjoyed my time there. 
Fascinating to hear that actually, so, so almost your move to Wickham started when you were actually warming up for, for uh, as a substitute for a Barnet game. Because I think as fans, we always assume that actually those are conversations that take place between agents and whatever. And again, really interesting that you mentioned the name Eric Hall, whose name I haven't heard for, for a long, long time as a, a football agent. Um, but yeah, I, I think we, we don't really imagine that actually just maybe a, a little conversation on the touchline then leads to a transfer or a loan spell happening. Yeah, it's amazing how these things happen. As I say, it was a cold, wintry um, evening game. I can't, I can't remember who we were playing at the time, but yeah, as I say, Terry was just standing there and we were just having a chat, and you know, the rest is history, as they say. Cause it's fascinating to hear these sort of behind-the-scenes news because, as fans, obviously, you don't realise, you know, what goes into to bringing a striker to the club or any, any, you know, any, any player to the club, and and to, it must have been great for you to have settled in so quickly. Yeah, as I said, I was made to feel really welcome, obviously, you know, obviously by the management and also the players. I mean, you know, there were some, there, there were some great players in that side. Steve Brown, Keith Ryan, Jason Cousins. Uh, we also brought um, Batesy in and, you know, Paul McCarthy, uh, Paul Emblem. The list, go, the list goes on and on. Martin Taylor. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the side was already there. It was just how, how we could get the best out of, of what was there and what they had and then obviously me and Batesy coming in and it just seemed to, you know, all gel and work and as I say, we managed to get out of it on that last day. It must have felt like a special time because, you know, you speak to ex-players who, you know, during their, whatever their sort of generation or, or decade is, th- there seems to be something special about that particular team but and that's something that's that's reflected in, in the teams, especially in the, the players that you mentioned. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm, I mean, you know, you look at this, this, the success that the clubs had, obviously, you know, coming up from non-league football, um, going up through the divisions. Um, and, you know, that, that success is now ongoing with, with what Gareth's doing with the first team. And obviously, you know, the promotion last year and, and a good start to this season. So, you know, long may it continue because, as I say, it's a great club that always made me feel welcome. And I, I just just enjoyed playing uh, at Adams Park, it, it was great. I know, obviously, the fans enjoyed it as well with the, the amount of goals that you had, and it'd be remiss not to mention that the record that you set at the time of the the most uh, goals in a season. Yeah, um, it was it was funny because obviously I had the good start when I come on loan. I had eight and twelve, and then uh, the next season I started a little bit slow. And um, you know, obviously, as a striker, you think you need to get off the mark and get going. And I remember having a chat with Laurie and he just said, look, just just don't worry about it. Just just go with the flow. Once you get one, it, it, they'll all start to trickle in. And I remember we score, I scored away against Scunthorpe and it was probably the worst goal I've ever scored. But they're the ones that get you off and running. And, and like, you know, what he said, that led to me, I think, ending up with about 25, 26 goals that season. Must have been very frustrating then in the 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 cup semi final season because obviously you were injured for the whole of that. Um, it must have been great to see the club doing so well, but presumably really frustrating that you weren't part of it. Yeah, obviously it's one of those things. I mean, it wasn't just me out at the time. I think you know Paul Emblem was out, Jermaine McSporran. Uh, I think Andy Baird had a really bad knee injury as well. So there was quite a few of us with with quite serious injuries, but. As you say, it was disappointing and obviously you want to be involved in it, but it was just great to, you know, to see the boys do what they did and, and get as far as they did. But sometimes, you know, you just think if I was involved or these other boys was involved, could have we gone one step further? So, it, it, yeah, it was bittersweet, but 
it was obviously a, a great time at the club and everyone was buzzing. So to reach a, an FA Cup semi-final, um, yeah, was, was was just excellent. Great stuff. You hear a lot of players saying how challenging it is sort of mentally to, to be out for such a long period. And, but as you say, there, there are other players who, who had injuries as well. So that must have been quite a sort of bond that you had between you as well. Yeah, as I say, I think there was five or six of us with with quite long term injuries at the time. So, yeah, I, I think we all we all sort of kept each other going. Um, it, it, as I say, it's not a nice time when you're injured, especially when obviously with with the injury that I had, there was sort of no proper diagnosis at the start, and it wouldn't go away. And you know, I had one operation and it didn't do anything, and I was back to square one. And you just think, you know, am I ever going to get back playing football? When you know, lucky enough, in the end, they found what the problem was and I managed to, you know, get back playing. What was Laurie Sanchez like as a manager? Clearly, as, as a member of the crazy gang, you know, he always came across as being a brilliant and interesting character. What, what was he like to, to play under? Laurie was great. I mean, he was great for me. Again, he, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful and thankful for, you know, Laurie and Terry to give me the opportunity to obviously, you know, play for Wickham and, and obviously play at a higher level. But, you know, with all this crazy gang stuff and, you know, how sort of robust and loud they were, Laurie was, was quite quiet, to be to be totally honest with you. Very reserved, um, you know, a clever man. And, you know, obviously he had ideas and, and a vision for the for the club when he come in. And, you know, he he, he done a good job there, I, I feel. So we talked about the amount of goals that you scored and are there any particular sort of goals or games even that, that stand out as being particularly memorable or, or favourites of yours perhaps? Um, I, I think it was one I actually didn't score in but it was the last game of that season we stayed up um, when we beat Lincoln away and you know I, I, I was lucky enough to manage to put the ball in the box for, for Paul to get his head on so I think that one really, really sticks out in my mind. And I think there was a couple of hat-tricks that I scored at um, Adams Park as well. So, I mean, I mean, my memory's terrible. So I forgot <laughs> a lot of them. But um, you, sometimes you see sort of little highlight reels and you see some goal, some goals you scored. But no, probably, probably the hat-tricks sort of, you know, stay in my mind. Well, and, uh, and the 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 winner against Lincoln that Paul Emblen scored, obviously that was uh, seven minutes to go. So that was, you know that was a very very important goal. Oh, oh, massively. I mean, you know, because that that was obviously the goal that that, that kept us up. I'm, you know, that one I see quite quite often, and you know, it was a, it was a decent move to be fair. I think Steve Brown uh, got the ball in midfield. Um, I've made a run. And he put me in the channel, and I just thought I'm just going to put this in the box and. Paul Ember made a great run sort of to the near post, a little little glancing header and in the back of the net it went. And um no, it was, it was just it was just great. It was obviously, you know, you haven't won anything and you know, you sometimes people say, Oh, what are they celebrating for? But it was just it was I mean, it it you just get, you know, overtaken by the moment, I think. And um yeah, it was just from where we was, I just think it was a great achievement all round to actually get out of that bottom four and stay up. Definitely. Does it feel like a long time ago? Because I was quite shocked to see that it was just over 20 years ago that you, that you were playing at Adams Park. Oh, it seems like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it, it is a long time ago, trust me. Trust me. <laughs> and you've done quite a lot since then. So so obviously you then went to, to Exeter and you played in the, the famous uh, nil-nil at Old Trafford. Um, and then you've even been to New Zealand as well and played out there. 
Yeah, I, I went to play in the A-League in, in 2005 in their inaugural season, which was absolutely amazing because I got to travel around Australia every other week and, and you know, obviously had the, had the opportunity to, to live in New Zealand and we actually ended up staying. Uh, we got our residency after two years um, and where we were living was just stunning and, you know, said to the family, what do we do? Do we stay in New Zealand or do we go home? And we all made the decision to... To, to stay there because obviously the lifestyle that we had and you know I had two young boys at the time and you know for them it was it was just brilliant so we ended up staying but then we we moved back in 2015 because my wife's mum sort of got taken ill at the time and after 10 years I think it was the right time to come home and yeah we made the move move back to England. And you've got into uh, management as well comparatively recently at, uh, at Leighton and, and Buckingham as well? Yeah I was well I've, I've, I've at Buckingham to a season ago, but um, I walked. I stepped away from that. Obviously, uh, in well, middle of last season, then COVID and all that come in. So, um, I'm actually coaching uh, with a friend at the moment. I'm helping him out with his under 13 side, a team called Leighton Park Rangers. So, that's, I actually live in Leighton Buzzard at the moment. So, I've been helping him, which has been really good. And then I'm also doing sort of private coaching, one to ones, group sessions. Um, yeah, got got a few lads on board that I'm working with, and no, just just really enjoying it. That must be so rewarding to kind of pass on, obviously, especially to, to strikers and, and, and forwards, your your kind of experience. Yeah, as I say, I do, I, I do some specialist sort of uh, finishing or striker coaching, if you want to call it. But I work with you know defenders, midfielders, all different age groups. I've got a couple of lads that I'm working with now that are at MK Dons um, that have been released by them and are now sort of playing semi-pro football. So it's great to actually be working with them and and trying to you know improve them and get them back to where they should be playing and 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 hopefully get another opportunity to play professional football. And what was the? Tra- how did you find the transition from from being a player to, to being a manager? Because obviously you've you've played under managers and they're not becoming one yourself. Very very difficult. I think as a player you you take that for granted. Um, you, you don't realise what goes into you know organising your sessions, um, players being injured, um, just just the whole day to day of of what you need to do as, as a manager. And I, I mean, I was only doing it on a part time you know part time basis. That the club I was coaching they were was step seven, but you know, to, I can ima- I could only imagine what these guys go through day to day. You know, setting up their sessions. You know, just just the the overall managing of a of a football club and a team, and it as I say, it must be quite difficult. And very much, you know, at, at other clubs, at Premier League clubs, you've probably got lots of people to do that for you. But Wick and Wanderers, even though we we've now had the takeover from the Kuhig family, still very much is you know a, a small club, and you can appreciate that. Yeah, Gareth is doing all of that work as well. He is setting up the training sessions. He is doing all of that. So again, you know, the the job that he's done uh, is just incredible. Oh, oh, definitely. As as you say, you know. The levels are are what they are. You know, the Premier League is what it is, and you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's any easier for for those managers than it is Gareth, but you know, with with what they get and what they're exposed to, and you know, is a little bit different to what you know, probably you know, Gareth's doing now. Yeah, he's got people that help him, but I think you know, in the Premier League, they'll have a, there's a lot more people about to take a little bit of that load 
off of off of the you know the manager and you know as you say obviously Gareth's taken you know probably a lot of that on himself and you know but he'll have a good support network around him which he's which which he, which he seems to have and and that's sort of coming out in in what he's doing at the club and the, and the performances on the pitch. You must be very pleased for the club as well. How how the, the things have changed obviously since since your time there and obviously going into the championship and and, and seem to be much more sort of established now as well as a, as a bigger squad and a bigger bigger team. Yeah, I think if you look at the facilities at the club, I think you know the, the stadium and that it, it it should it you know it should be in the championship in, in my opinion, and it, and it was great to see them get that opportunity. And I, ju- I just hope you know this season goes well and they get another chance to get up there and 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 maybe you know stay up there. I mean, I think only missed them. Was it one point last year? Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, one point, almost one goal, really. You know, if we if we got the draw yeah. against Derby, we would have stayed up. Exactly. So that shows you, you know, how, how close she was, and you know, fingers crossed, it, they can continue the run that they're on, and, and they can push to get in, and you know, who knows, and then sort of try and then consolidate themselves in the championship. It is difficult because of budgets and stuff like that, but it shows that it can be done. They were they, they were that close. And overall, how do you reflect on your time at the club? It must be one of a huge pride, obviously, with the, the amount of goals that you scored and being quite a, a fan favourite as well. Um, a bit of a roller coaster, really. It was, you know, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Um, you know, I, I got the injury when I did, which sort of set me back. Um, you know, because I was re- really enjoying my football at the time. And as you mentioned, scoring lots of goals, the team was doing okay. Um, and then, yeah, you get an injury and it just puts a bit of a, a sour taste in your mouth. And, you know, not playing for nearly two years, I thought I, I was done. So, um, it's a great club. I absolutely loved it there. Loved the people. Um, made to feel welcome. Um, no, it was just 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 a great time and 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 a great bunch of lads as well. You know, obviously my the, my fellow teammates and the professionals that I played with, they were absolutely brilliant. And great that you're still obviously involved in the game with the coaching and as you say, um, sort of dabbling in, in management at the lower level as well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, as you say, the, the, the little bit of knowledge that I may have, it's just nice to pass on on to, you know, young aspiring in, aspiring players. Um, whether I sort of go down the management route again, who knows? If something comes available, I may look at it. And again, it was a great learning curve. You learn things, you know, that you take, as I say, that you take for granted as a player. So no, I, I, I really enjoyed it, and you know, as I say, would definitely look at doing it again. Well, it's been fantastic to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time and uh, brilliant to, to share your, your memories and stories. Yeah, thank you so much, Sean. No problem. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure to speak to you. Uh, Sean Devine, uh, former striker from uh, Wickham Wanderers, speaking to us here at Wickham Sound. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Final part of this week's Wickham Wanderers show. Uh, many thanks indeed for listening, if indeed you still are. Uh, if... <laughs> If you've gone somewhere else, uh, well, there's always the uh, the podcast version. You can catch up a bit later on. Uh, you'll, you'll hear this bit then. Uh, many thanks to Sean Devine, uh, who, was, who was was wonderful uh, and, and nice to speak to a championship manager hero of mine. <laughs> no, fantastic. And also, I remember um, going to watch him and, and the goals that he scored as well, so it's really nice to get the opportunity to, to speak to him more than 20 years later and to find out what he's up to. Uh, still to come, we'll be getting uh, manager Gareth Ainsworth's thoughts on the transfer deadline day departures. Um, uh, but we are going to reflect on uh, the international 
uh, Wickham Wanderers players, uh, Anis Mometi, uh, banned Anis Mometi, but not banned from tonight's game um, where he's playing for Albania uh, in Poland. Uh, so we will keep an eye on that and see, see what happens. Um, but we've also had TJ Debar yes. last night. Um, scoring what was Gibraltar's 18th goal in competitive international football. Really um, putting Gibraltar on the map. Well, indeed, yes. They, they don't score many goals. Their goalkeeper <laughs> tends to be busier than their, their strikers. <laughs> so the fact that TJ now has three competitive international goals for Gibraltar uh, is quite uh, impressive. And, and there was an online suggestion that he might be uh, the club's first uh, international scorer connected to the World Cup game. Yes, and you did set me a bit of homework, which I haven't actually, which I failed oh, really? to do, to, to find out whether or not any other Wickham Wanderers international player has scored a goal because it was the believed World possibly because it was Kevin believed. Betsy was yes. the Seychelles, wasn't it? Uh, but I can I can have a very quick look now if you want, uh, Kevin. Yeah, we've got time. Betsy, <laughs> Kevin Betsy, World Cup. Oh, we'll just wait. It's all right. Yeah, okay. Uh, play the music. <laughs> <laughs> the Potter's Wheel, that, that, that'll do. All right. Um, no, it's really nice, though, that in a way, that obviously the, the, the game being postponed against Ipswich on Saturday has happened, in that you know, it shows that the, the, the Wickham still have international uh, prospects. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that actually at the, at the last count, I noticed that there were only three League One games then going mm. on Saturday, which again just shows you when we're saying that actually League One is a bit of a, a mini championship. Well, it's true. Mm. Um, and you wonder how long it's going to be until actually the League One games aren't scheduled on international breaks um, I would imagine that that might actually happen next season uh, just because it, well if you're only getting say three games each time there doesn't really seem much point in scheduling them um, I'm sure the club are probably a little bit disappointed that the Ipswich game which probably would have bought a very healthy crowd and probably lots of uh, fans would have come down from Suffolk and probably not quite so many will come down on a Tuesday night I'm sure they were disappointed about that but I expect Gareth was probably quite pleased in that as he said previously the season is so ridiculously unrelenting and mm. particularly at the beginning where you've got the league cup games um you've then had we have the wigan game obviously on the the tuesday night you've then got the the papa john's um uh, bingo numbers cup uh, which i think would be a better name actually for it <laughs> particularly some of the numbers that aston villa were wearing on on tuesday night or perhaps if the national lottery sponsored oh, it that would be thought, good that would be brilliant yeah because you know aston villa had like a i think they had a 47 and a 49 and possibly a 50 so yeah the you know national lottery cup will be a much better name um but yeah you know it is completely uh, unrelating and the fact that now we have got uh, a week and a half really to recover um i think yeah uh, gareth will be very pleased about that um before we then obviously go and play oxford united which will you know always be a bit of a, a grudge match mm. a week on saturday talking of scheduling news and i'm slightly worried that i've just sprung this one you might have it in front of you um a date has been uh, confirmed for the manchester city it has tie. indeed yes um so tuesday the 21st of september Ooh. at 7:45 at the etihad is the confirmed time for the uh, carabao cup third round game um and also the news is that it is not going to be on television and even worse it's not going to be on iFollow so if you want to see the game you have to go basically i'm sure Uh, tickets will go like hot cakes i would imagine that they probably will Uh, i think they'll go like hot cakes down here in buckinghamshire i would imagine that probably they won't be going quite the same rate up in in greater manchester no um so i think we'll probably be all right lukewarm cakes everybody who wants to go will be able to go um but yes uh 7.45 tuesday the 21st of september um is the tie against which i fear will be here in a flash uh, I think it probably will. It'll come around quite quickly, <laughs> won't it? Um, I thought know. September was a long way well, off until... I, I know, it's slightly, yes. Where is the year going? Um, 
The we have one other international as well, of course. Oh, yes. uh, Daryl Horgan. Of course, um, he was an unused substitute last night in the the slightly heartbreaking loss for the Republic of Ireland, where they were beating Portugal one 0 um, and then a certain player called Ronaldo um, then then scored two goals to ensure that they they lost two one. That concludes our international roundup for this week. It, it does indeed. Yes. No, Talking no, of this week, no no uh, foreign. Uh, languages this week. Sorry about that. Something to work on. Uh, talking of this week, uh, of course, the transfer deadline was met. It was. Sad times. It was. It, was it must be sad. sad as well for A, for players who leave, but B, for the manager as well. It must be quite tricky to... to um, I would think we're all concerned. Mm. You know, I would think the players staying are probably sad to see the, the you know to, two players who have been such a part of the team actually departing. That must be sad. As a manager, it must be really, really hard because obviously you've had that decision to make, and that must be so, so difficult. And clearly, you have to go with your your head rather than your heart. But that must be a really, really tricky thing to do. Um, and so, yeah, very, very sad to see uh, the departures this week of Scott Kashkett and also Alex Samuel. Yes, uh, Scott's departure was confirmed, wasn't it, the night before? And then shortly afterwards, it was revealed he was going to crew. Uh, and Alex Samuel going off to Ross County, so playing in the Scottish Premiership. Uh, it'll be interesting to see him when he, when he features there at Ibrox or at Celtic Park. Uh, you know, really, really looking forward to seeing how they both get on. And Gareth was reflecting uh, with Matt on those two departures. Gareth, it's transfer deadline day, but we're talking about two departures from Adams Park, two players that <coughs> played real significant roles for you. Uh, let's start with Scott Kashkett. You turned a League Two player into a Championship player. You must be so pleased with his progress and, and wishing all the best for the future. Yeah, Scott, he did all that himself, you know. He, uh, he, he just gave him the platform to perform. And uh, honestly, for one of the first times, it really hurts me letting two players go today because uh, they've played a huge part in the Wicked Wanderers story they're not just in the book they're, they've got their own chapters these two you know and, uh, and the Scott Cashcut chapter is um, is this boy who uh, who we were tipped off about who came in and, and signed for absolute peanuts you know I'm sure Scott won't won't mind me saying this but he was he signed for next to nothing like a wage that you you couldn't even believe in a football club uh, because we had no cash at the time, he was desperate to get out of Lane Orient. Um, we took him, and honestly, it was a tip off from Lee Harrison at the time and uh, and Andy Hessenthaler at the time, and he was not getting a chance at Lane Orient for various reasons. And bringing him in, he was this shy little lad who uh, who had an enormous amount of skill and an enormous amount of pace, but he'd never put it all together. And uh, and I just thought that. What he did in that first season was phenomenal for somebody who'd been, you know, been really been beaten up against the wall and uh, and and really, you know, suppressed for whatever reason. He opened up, uh, and my biggest my biggest pleasure with Scott Casket was not the football side, but seeing the person develop over the years that he's been here. Honestly, he's uh, he turned into this chirpy banter guy in the dressing room, and and you know when he first came, he won't say boo to a goose now. He'd say whatever he wanted to anyone, and, and it was brilliant, you know. He really, really has played an enormous part, and I can't thank him enough because I needed people. I needed people. I, I, my, my career's not well been rosy and wins and took it at the championship now. And in the days of League Two and the days when we need, almost went out of the league and we needed to, you know, we, we started the season once, we didn't win for a few games. I remember we were down the bottom of the leagues, you know, Scotty went on an unbelievable run one season. His family's great. You know, his mum plays a big part in his life, and she was instrumental in his uh, in his moves. And we we're in contact with her, and and I just uh, I know that crew are getting one heck of a player. You know, what we have to say is that we 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 just. 
proud to have played a part in Scott's Scott's journey because he's a a great player, a great lad. Needs it was the right time. I think you know the the route to the the playing and the starting eleven was was becoming more and more difficult for Scott with the way I'm playing and with system change and. Uh, and I just wish him all the best and thank him for everything he's ever done here because he'd, be, he'd forever be a part. And Scotty Cashcut scores another goal song won't be forgotten. Um, and he's always welcome. You know, always welcome back and like like, uh, like everyone here. There'll definitely be quieter around the place about yeah. Scott. And then somebody else who had a big presence around the training ground, but in a completely different way, it was Alex Samuel, who has earned a, a fantastic move here up to the SPL. Yeah, and again. <laughs> Difficult, you know, difficult for me to find find words because words aren't enough for both of these two. I've said that we wouldn't have been promoted to League One. We wouldn't have been promoted uh, definitely to without Scotty and definitely to the Championship without Alex and Scotty. Alex came in on trial three three and a bit seasons ago. Uh, his ankle was a mess. His foot was a mess. He uh, he'd been again left on the side and and not really not really considered again. Uh, that was me and Dobbo playing against Alex Samuel we saw him playing against us for Stevenage um, back in the days and uh, and we always knew that this floppy haired blonde kid who would run after absolutely anything would be one of our future targets As, like, like Curtis Thompson the reason he's here is because we played against us so well Alex did the same we don't forget a name we definitely don't forget that uh, that face and uh, and Alex coming in on trial was a was a brilliant moment you know he really he really grabbed every opportunity with both hands. He's a fantastic human being. His faith that he brings with him, you know, he's a very religious boy and, and, and he's been prominent in starting the, the boys all, you know, they've got a little prayer group, which is, which is brilliant. There's, a, there's this togetherness. Honestly, Alex never, ever once moaned, ever. He did everything that was possible asked of him. He worked his socks off every single day to try and improve. And um, I would... Yeah, you'd be proud of those if they were if, if they were your own children. You know, he's he's that much of a guy. Had it tough, you know, coming through, but always had faith and always had that spirit that he would succeed. And he certainly has succeeded. You know, he's got a great move to Ross County in the SPL. And, you know, I think his first game could be against Celtic, <laughs> uh, which which would be unbelievable for for Alex. You know, he just was the focus point of a lot of attacks that season. We got promoted. You know, when I couldn't when I couldn't play Bayo, I played Alex, and they shared it up those two that season. And um, as I say, we wouldn't have been promoted without Alex Samuel and the team, and uh, and I'm really glad that again somebody who was told probably they may not have a career had a career. Both of those players played in the championship for Wickham Wanderers. Scott Cashcut scored our first ever goal for Wickham Wanderers in the championship. Alex Samuel at Wembley, you know, he ran his socks off, you know, to uh, to get the playoff semi-finals. You know, he was just blew Fleetwood away, you know, with his running and uh, and again. Like I say, they've got their own chapters. They haven't just got their own pages, these two. They really haven't. Uh, and it really, really does pay me to let these two go. But it's the right thing because there's no way I wanted to frustrate them and end the relationship on a sour note with them not playing and coming to see me knocking on my door saying, why am I not playing? Gives a chance to Volksy, you know, Brandon. You know, there's Gareth McClear who's playing up front, TJ Debar. So I think Scotty and Alex will both go, you know what? Give those boys a chance. We'll move on. We'll go and play our trade somewhere else. Go on, TJ. Go on, Volksy. Go on, Brandon. They'll be like that. And, of course, go on, Bale, who's been there for them too as well. So, thanks, guys. You've been awesome. We couldn't have done it without you. Huge part. Always welcome. And uh, God bless. Thanks to you. What a really nice tribute from a, a manager. 
uh, just just you know you could feel yourself slightly welling up when he starts saying all you know about about his children and mm. you know that was really really nice we're just having a bit of a pause now to <laughs> reflect yes, on the yeah, exactly. on the on the play. Got, it's it's got a, any tissues. It's like the circle of life, isn't it? It's something it that really happens at, at football clubs, and yes. I suppose you can't get too attached to players. No, and you that's can't. the thing. Well, and also when he then talks about Bayo, and mm. you think, "Well, oh, goodness me, you know, this time next year, yeah. our, our club is going to look quite different." Mm. Um, you know, without some of the, the the leaders and the generals, and you know, and and the the icon of our football club over the last few seasons actually not being there either. Of that's, course, you know, that, that is going to be quite a a big emotional moment isn't it when actually Bayo sort of takes his last bow they're really positive as well that they're bringing in through the development team so many youngsters who can who can step up and, and we've already seen you know examples of you mentioned Anis and, and um, Debar's TJ as well who you know they're, they're already starting to make a name for yeah, themselves yeah definitely uh, and again you know looking at Tuesday night fantastic to actually see so many uh, you know of the development B team whatever you'd like to call them it's getting a bit check a trade <laughs> uh, but you know but actually featuring mm. and you know and yeah and, and doing okay uh, finally you wanted to mention something about the uh, the Sunderland programme oh yes uh, Sunderland nice. programme very impressed to see uh, that they mentioned uh, quite a lot there was a whole article which I've never seen before a sort of like nature page uh, that was talking all about the red kites in Wickham um, um, I, I thought that was above and beyond by the Sunderland program team. Uh, you know, normally you just get the the you know the manager, the players, you know, possibly a little bit about the club. You don't get something about the you know the 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 uh, animals of the the town. And yes, so Sunderland mentioning the, red the animals of the town. I, I, you know, I, I thought that was that was particularly impressive. Really um, nice to see on social media as well that uh, the Sport and Education Trust had a golf day with, with the club, including yes. uh, Pete Kirgan and Gareth representing them on the on the fairway. And so Luke was quite keen that actually we would take them on. Uh, in a, in a Wickham Wanderer show versus the uh, Sports and Education Trust, but you, you put a dampener on that quite quickly. I had we, to point we out... We wanted to know why, uh, because you said you had an experience at Wickham Heights Golf Club. Yes, so I was, I was um, talked into having some golf lessons with the uh, Wickham Heights uh, head professional which was actually for a, a radio promotion, actually. But I didn't take to it too well. There was so much to remember, the swing, the stance, the grip. Uh, that was even before you hit a ball. And uh, I wasn't even really allowed on the actual golf course that much. I was mostly based oh. in the driving range, okay, yes. which was quite busy. And uh, I managed to reduce an entire sort of group of people who'd stopped what they were doing and saw what I was doing just in, laughing into tears. Because when I hit the ball, which was... Uh, an achievement in itself i expected it to go up and quite a long way yeah but it didn't it kind of went along and shot off to the left um at which point the, the game was really over for me because I, I don't know where that ball still to this day i don't know where that ball went oh dear so no i didn't get the golf bug all right okay we won't be offering the club a, a golf day uh thank you very much for listening uh we will be back next week even though there is no game this weekend lots to do though we'll be chatting to david mccracken among other things <laughs>